From Seoul, Korea, KBS World Radio News Today starts right now. On today's broadcast, South Korea announces that a government-led fund will compensate Korean victims of Japan's wartime forced labor in lieu of Japanese companies angering support groups. The government plans to adjust the current maximum 52-hour work week to allow employees to work up to 69 hours weekly and reduce their hours at other times. And inflation dips below 5% for the first time in 10 months in February. This is KBS World Radio News. I'm Tom McCarthy. South Korea has proposed a plan to compensate Korean victims of Japan's wartime forced labor on its own in a bid to resolve the long-disputed issue and improve ties with Japan. A Korean foundation will pay the victims, but the defendant Japanese corporations that forced Koreans to work in their factories will not have to contribute to the solution. Yoon So-hyung has more. Seoul-Tokyo relations meandered toward a new rock bottom after the 2018 South Korean court rulings on Japan's wartime forced labor. Instead of enforcing the Supreme Court decisions that ordered Japanese companies to pay reparations to the victims, the Yoon Seong-yeol administration announced Monday that a government-led fund will compensate the victims. The Foundation for Victims of Force Mobilization by Imperial Japan under the Interior Ministry will provide compensation and interest on the delayed payment to the plaintiffs of the final rulings of the three 2018 Supreme Court cases in order to pay reparations for the victims and their families. Under the plan introduced by Foreign Minister Park Jin, the fund will be created through donations from the private sector. Around 4 billion won, or some 3 million U.S. dollars, will be paid to 15 victims who want the legal action against Nippon Steel and Mitsubishi Heavy Industries. Critics have argued that Seoul's proposal is only a half-solution without the full participation of Japan. Uh, This is a broad-minded decision by the South Korean government to find a breakthrough to the strained South Korea-Japan relations, and we hope Japan responds to the Japanese government's comprehensive apology and the voluntary participation of Japanese corporations. The foreign minister said that it is important that the Japanese government honors the spirit of reflection and apologies included in the Kim the Jun Keijo-Buchi declaration issued in 1998. The 2018 court ruling led to a diplomatic friction with Japan, which in turn delisted South Korea from its so-called trade whitelist of countries with fast-track trade status. Strange ties meant weaker security collaboration for the two neighbors that face rising nuclear threats from North Korea. Yoon Soo-hyang, KBS World, Radio News. Japanese Foreign Minister Yoshimasa Hayashi says he believes South Korea's plan to compensate the victims of Japan's wartime forced labor will soundly restore Seoul-Tokyo ties. The minister made the remarks in a news conference on Monday as he said South Korea and Japan are important neighbors that must work together in responding to various global challenges. He then reaffirmed that the Japanese government is inheriting the historical position held by past cabinets, including the 1998 joint declaration by the leaders of the two countries at the time, South Korean President Kim Dae-jung and Japanese Prime Minister Keizo Obuchi. In the declaration, Obuchi expressed remorse for the tremendous damage and suffering inflicted on the Korean people by Japan's colonial rule. 
Hayashi did not, however, address calls on Japan by forced labor victims to directly offer an apology and provide compensation. A group representing the victims of Japan's wartime forced labor staged a rally in front of the foreign ministry building in Seoul on Monday to protest the government's compensation plan. The group strongly criticized the plan, saying the South Korean government exempted defendant Japanese firms from legal liability. In a press conference in the southwestern city of Gwangju on Monday afternoon, an advocacy group said the plan is tantamount to giving up diplomatic protection of citizens. A candlelight rally is planned to be held in front of Seoul City Hall in the evening to demand the plan's retraction. The rival political parties were divided in their responses to the government's plan on compensation for Korean victims of Japan's wartime forced labor on Monday. Ahead of the government's expected announcement, ruling People Power Party interim chief Chung Jin-suk said Seoul made the decision from a broader perspective, blaming the vicious cycle of fraying bilateral relations on the exploitation of the issue for partisan purposes in domestic politics. Main opposition Democratic Party leader Lee Jae-myung slammed the Yoon Suk-yeol administration for choosing a path toward the betrayal of historical justice, calling the plan the biggest disgrace and stain in diplomatic history. The government plans to adjust the current maximum 52-hour workweek as part of a massive restructuring of the current labor system. The Employment and Labor Ministry and five other related ministries held an emergency ministerial-level meeting on Monday and confirmed a set of measures to retool work-related institutions and systems. Under the plan, the government seeks to increase the flexibility of the 52-hour workweek system to permit working hours to be calculated not just by the basic hours-per-week unit, but at monthly, quarterly, biannual, or annual intervals, as agreed upon by labor and management. The changes in units will allow employees to work up to 69 hours weekly and reduce their hours at other times. The government plans to issue an advance notice of related legislation on Monday and submit a bill to Parliament in June or July. Inflation dipped below 5% for the first time in 10 months in February. According to Statistics Korea on Monday, the country's consumer price index stood at 110.38 last month, up 4.8% from a year earlier. The latest number came after the index rose 5.2% in January and represents the first on-year growth below 5% since posting 4.8% last April. Inflation gradually slowed after peaking at 6.3% in July of last year, but remained in the 5 or 6% range for nine consecutive months from last May to this January. The prices of electricity, gas, and water jumped 28.4% on year in February, the highest since 2010 when the nation started compiling related data. Seoul's National Security Advisor expects to hold intensive talks with U.S. officials to address concerns that Washington's new subsidy program for the semiconductor industry imposes excessive demands on participating foreign firms. Talking with reporters at Dulles International Airport near Washington, D.C. on Sunday, Kim Sung-han said that since South Korea and the U.S. can remain allies while having different priorities, he will seek frank discussions on the matter. Acknowledging that Seoul's understanding of the U.S. CHIPS Act may differ from that within the U.S., the advisor said he will carefully review the compatibility of the law with the interests of the South Korean chip industry and economy. Under the $52 billion U.S. dollar semiconductor manufacturing and research program, foreign firms that secure funds will reportedly be required to share profits exceeding initial projections with Washington while providing some access to related facilities. 
Kim, who embarked on a five-day trip to the U.S. on Sunday to discuss several pending issues between the two countries, reiterated that his visit is aimed at finalizing discussions regarding a possible bilateral summit between President Yoon Suk-yeol and U.S. President Joe Biden. Go Jin-young became the first golfer to defend her title at the HSBC Women's World Championship by winning the LPGA event in Singapore on Sunday. Go carded a 3-under par 69 in the fourth round at Sentosa Golf Club to finish on 17-under and beat Nellie Korda of the U.S. by two shots. It is the 27-year-old's first LPGA win this season and the 14th career win on the world's largest female golf tour, bringing home the first LPGA title by a South Korean since Jun In-ji won the KPMG Women's PGA Championship title last June. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index rose 30.55 points, or 1.26% on Monday, to close the day at 2,462.62. And that's the news from KBS World Radio's News Center in Seoul. I'm Tom McCarthy.